pardon the eruption, but I'm Pablo Torre, and it is great to be back with you, Tony, and just out of curiosity here, uh, why me? And Tony Kornheiser, it's, it's Friday, who cares? I mean, like, well, nobody's that's watching. One, that's Your family's one, uh, not even watching. Rationale. Hmm. They well, always I could be kinder. Thank God really? it's Friday, um, who cares? Doesn't tend to end that sentiment. Yeah. It's supposed to be relief and joy that we made it together. You and me, we're back. We're back. Earlier this week, they put us on ESPN News, where dozens might have watched. <laughs> dozens, maybe. <laughs> Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. Will Bond has turned his back on you. So I'm joined by our great friend, the host of the fabulous podcast, Pablo Torre Finds Out, Mr. Pablo Torre. <laughs> nice hand and we begin today with Caitlin Clark Pablo who got 49 points last night a personal high in the Iowa record but the signature moment for Clark last night came early when she hit a three from the Hawkeyes logo about 35 feet out to get the points that established her as the all-time NCAA women's scorer Pablo what is the shot that clinched it say about Clark it says that her greatest gift is her showmanship Tony the, the scoring the points yes we salute it. It's impressive. It's historical. But when I think about the players I enjoy watching the most, I think of someone like Caitlin Clark and now her very specifically. This is the Steph Curry thing, yes? It's not just that, wow, this is from very far away. It's that she has a sense of the moment and she embraces it. And she has this thing where arrogance becomes likable because it is so... Um, it's so pressure-packed, and yet she chooses the highest degree of difficulty way to do it. So it's the stage and her mastery of it that I am most in awe of, even more than the points. Agree with you right down the line. She made no bones about it. She said she wanted to hit the number with a logo three. She hit a few of those last night. 49 points in a 40-minute game is a really big deal. I have over the last couple of years. She thinks pass first. That's what she thinks. So she's not out there gunning all the time. It is easy to look at her, maybe in one game or any one game, and think that she's a showboat because she is a showboat. She knows how mm -hmm. good she is. But you're 100% right when you say she craves the moment, she knows the moment, she wants the moment out there. Um, she's, she is just simply great fun to watch. I mean, that, that's, that's my belief. It's, it's a bad rabbit hole to go down when you compare men to women. And I said the other day that she was Pete Maravich of college basketball. So I'll try to avoid pejoratives here. But nobody moves the needle in college ball like that's Caitlin right. Clark. People stand outside for hours on long lines to watch her play. They pay 5, 10, and 20 times what face value is to watch her play. She is the most popular and best attraction in college basketball, men or women. Yes, yeah, so she's 98 points away from passing Pete Maravich for the all-time record, right? Very impressive. But to me, it is the fact that we are not grading on a curve here. For people who don't know the experience of what it's like to watch her, the fun of it is the point. It's more of the point than the statistics. And we can argue about who's the greatest, who is it in women's basketball specifically. For my money, it's her. But even more than that, it is obviously here when it comes to who have I had the most fun watching because of the entertainment value. This is show business, Tony. I don't want that to be a pejorative at all. Yeah. It's actually the greatest compliment I could pay no. an athlete. You made it worth my while. I, I, 
I think you're 100% right. And by the way, after every game when she gets interviewed, she always thanks her teammates and her coaches and her fans for allowing her to be put in this situation where she can perform like this. And some may say that's by rote, but I believe that it's sincere. She used the phrase, it takes a village last night. I loved it. <laughs> loved it. Yeah. Yes, yes. Arrogance, but likable at the same time. It's a rare trick, a rare needle to thread. But I want to move to the NBA because uh, the Bucks are stumbling, Tony. They're stumbling into the All-Star break. Milwaukee, they just lost to lowly Memphis last night. They're now 3-7, and seven, the Bucks are, in the Doc Rivers era. And Doc said this, quote, we had some guys here, some guys in Cabo, end quote. Giannis said to that, quote, enough with the talking, enough with our bleep don't stick mentality. Do we really want it? Are we putting in the work? When effort is not there, it's very hard for it to go your way, end quote. So, Tony, is this loss a big deal, a little deal, or no deal for Milwaukee? Well, it's, it's not no deal because we thought it was a big deal when they won a couple of games last week. We thought the ship was sailing, and now, as Michael Ray Richardson might say, the ship may be sinking <laughs> at this point. Uh, I mean, I, I always thought that we would see the real Milwaukee Bucks with Doc Rivers after the All-Star break, but maybe these are the real Milwaukee Bucks with Doc Rivers. You can't. Memphis is a terrible team. They didn't even have all their starters Correct. there. You can't stress defense and give up 113 to them or 27 to J.J. Jackson, who's over I'm not really that familiar with it. No. There does come a point. Pablo, we know this. Um, their last coach was going to be fired. That was telegraphed for about a month. Everybody yep, knew that, that was going to happen. But his last 10 games, Adrian Griffin was 7-3. and three. And Doc is 3-7. and seven. I think we're becoming to the point where it's fair to ask, was this the right move? They're supposed to be a championship team. They don't look like it at all. I've been asking, is this the right move for a long time now? Because I watch Doc. And I like Doc as, a, as an announcer, as a guy. Very friendly, personable, all that. But as a coach, Tony, it's one of the great ironies in his, in his reputation that he is famed as this guy who brings good vibes. Oh, you have a troublesome locker room. Bring in Doc Rivers. He's a player's coach, or at least he knows how to communicate with the alpha energy of all these guys, allegedly. But I've seen it in Philadelphia. I've seen it here. I have not seen the vibes be good. <laughs> I haven't. I've, I've seen him struggle with, of course, difficult personalities. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons in Philly. Jimmy Bo Not to that level, but I would say this. With Milwaukee, they are supposed to be a finals contender with a bullet. This is Dame Lillard, yes. this yes. is Giannis, and here are yes. some of the guys that they lost to that Memphis was starting last night. Santi Aldama, Zaire Williams, Trey Jameson, Vince Williams Jr., and Jordan Goodwin. Apologies if I mispronounced any of those names because I don't know them very well. The vibes are bad when it comes to this team. Yeah, and by the way, it doesn't help that Damian Lillard's having a terrible shooting year. He's down also significant that. percentages from the field and from three. We move on. Yeah. Stay with basketball, though. The great resurrection last night belonged to Clay Thompson. The five-time All-Star did not start for the Warriors for the first time since March of 2012, a span of 727 games. Steve Kerr said Thompson wasn't thrilled about his decision, nor did he expect him to be. But Thompson produced. He had 35 points, shooting 13 of 22 and 7 of 13 from three. Pablo, what are your thoughts on the benching of Clay Thompson? It was a brilliant coaching move. And I have two takes on this. One is that Steve Kerr made the right decision, obviously, right? Clay had his best game of the year, 
ended his game with a great defensive yeah. play. All of that was encouraging. But the second thing I have to say about this is starting is overrated compared to closing. Clay Thompson closed the game. When the game is in the balance, Clay was out there when it really mattered most. If you can convince him, Tony, if Steve Kerr can convince him that this is the best version of him, that is enormous progress for a team that needs progress in that division. So what's interesting about that, Pablo, is it was about a week ago when Clay Thompson was on the bench at the end of games. And that That's was right. a story for us to talk about. And now he's on the bench at the beginning of games. This is what he said. This is a direct quote after the game. You can do two things. You can pout or you can go out there and respond. I thought I did the latter very well tonight, unquote. Now, what does that say? That says he hated the fact that he didn't start and that he was auditioning to start again. I don't think we can fault Kerr with all the wins that he's had. I mean, you know, Steve Kerr knows what he's doing. He also said this is not necessarily permanent, but he wants to see it. And the reason anybody would want to see this is Clay Thompson is shooting historically low averages this year. So maybe this brings him up. But there's another part, too. What Golden State wants to do is resurrect itself as a dominating team. This is when you have to juggle stuff now. They finished sixth last year. Even for their good wins lately, they're in 10th now. This is the time when you do it. Maybe he's a dynamo off the bench for the last 30 minutes of a game. Maybe that's the, the reality that comes from this, right? Then it would be great. Well, yes, and there's a precedent. Clay himself post-game mentioned Manu Ginobili is the model here. Manu is one of the great sixth men of all time. He knew his job. He knew why yes. he was so important. And it just involved an ego hit that typically a guy like Clay Thompson, who's that good, has never had to take. Now it's time to take it. You know what? Um, everybody ages differently, some less dramatically than others. Steph Curry and LeBron age less dramatically than most. We yep. don't know about Klay Thompson yet. Let's take a break. But coming up, when will Scott Boris's big-name free agents finally sign? We're going to ask Jeff Passan. And we'll also ask him what Commissioner Rob Manfred is going to focus on and what he says is going to be his last term as commissioner. You know, when, when Milwaukee gets 35 from Antetokounmpo and 24 from Lillard and gets beat by Memphis, there's something wrong. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training. Thank God. Which makes it a perfect time to check in with our great friend Jeff Pass. And I'm going to the glasses because it's a complicated question. Because it's oh Scott Boris. Scott Boris still has several high-profile unsigned clients, as you know, including Cody Bellinger and Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery and Matt Chapman. Is the leverage for these guys getting stronger or weaker? The reason that they're still free agents right now is because they believe that they have leverage. And that leverage is going to come during the course of spring training when there are injuries, when there's ineffectiveness, when a team realizes that, hey, you know, maybe we're not as good as we thought we were and we need to go out and add an impact type player. That being said, it's a dangerous game to play being a free agent this late. And the notion that they're going to get the full value that they've been seeking, you know, Blake Snell won $250 million, Cody Bellinger in that same vicinity, probably not realistic at this point. But I caution you, Tony, to remember, you know, half decade ago when the two best free agents on the market were still there in March. One was named Manny Machado. The other was named Bryce Harper. Both of them wound up getting over $300 million. So while I don't think all's lost for the Boris Four who are still out there, you know, it's, it's, getting, it's getting a little hairy right now. And uh, if there's some nervous players, I would understand. Free agency, Jeff, always hairy with a Boris client. But I want to ask you about a guy specifically who's under contract right now and is terrifying me. Because this is what I'm hearing about Juan Soto, who my Yankees, of course, traded for in December. Brian Cashman, GM of the Yankees, is saying this, quote, odds are this is a one-year situation. This is another Boris guy. So I ask you this, is one year the likeliest outcome in your mind with him? Oh, boy. I, I think a lot of it depends on production, Pablo, because let's remember, there was another one-year situation two years ago with the New York Yankees. They didn't come to a contract extension before the season with Aaron Judge. He goes mm-hmm. out, breaks the American League home run record, and ends up signing for $360 million back with the Yankees as a free agent. And so I think it's going to be a similar sort of scenario where, depending not just on how Juan Soto produces this year, but how the Yankees play, it's going to really factor into whether they pursue him full throat this offseason. And I, I think the match is, is just so exceptional with the short porch in right field, with the power that Soto has, with the left-handedness. He's made for Yankee Stadium. He's made for New York with the way that he produces and the spotlight that he wants. So while they may not have something right now, I think long-term Soto in New York is an exceptional fit. So let's go longer term with a different protagonist, of course. Maybe the biggest character right now is Rob Manfred, who has said five years from now, Jeff, January 2029, he's done. He's out of this job. And so do you believe that? And if it's true, what do you think he's going to focus on in these next five years? Yeah, his predecessor, Bud Selig, said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done done in 2009 and then like a year later he signed an extension i'm done in 2012 he stayed on until 2015 (laughs) so the the idea that rob manfred's giving himself five years of runway to potentially change his mind uh, nobody in the game is convinced that he's going to be done yet like 
you can only love golf so much uh, when you're getting paid $25 million <laughs> plus dollars a year. That being said, there's a lot of things that he needs to do over the next few years. Number one, handle the local media rights that have imploded and start a streaming service next year as they're planning that'll have half the teams and hopefully get rid of the television blackouts. Beyond that, though, is the collective bargaining agreement that expires in 2026, Pablo. We remember what happened last time, 99-day yep. lockout. It is trending toward that same thing this time. And if it happens, uh, you know, Rob Manfred's legacy is on the line here. Mm. I will right, we'll get you out of here on this. Everybody sort of thought it was a done deal that the A's were going to move from Oakland to Las Vegas. Are there now any doubts about this among other owners? Yeah, Tony, there are doubts everywhere about the A's because here's the one thing that they have proven themselves adept at, being completely incompetent. The, you know, I was talking with somebody <laughs> yesterday uh, doing a story on expansion, and, you know, the, the A's came up because the A's need to be in place in Las Vegas in order for MLB to expand two more teams, which is looking like it's going to be 2030 or so. But, uh, you know, this person who's been dealing with the A's is like, do they, do they know what they're doing? Like, is, is this a joke? <laughs> the whole process has been messed up from the start. You know, dating back 20 years to them trying to get a stadium in Oakland, failing to do so, and now they're going to go to Vegas, and all of a sudden it's going to be smooth sailing in a city that really hasn't shown a lot of desire to have you. Uh, the entire thing from the beginning, Tony, has been a disaster, and if this thing fell apart, it would surprise absolutely nobody. Jeff, pleasure to have you. Thanks for coming on. Yes. Pleasure is always mine, guys. Thanks for having me. Let's take one last break. Still to come, the NFL reportedly suspends Jimmy Garoppolo. And Fairleigh Dickinson's basketball team overcomes an unexpected obstacle, apparently. So, Pablo, I had uh, Jeff on my podcast this morning. So it's a yeah, double I missed dip Jeff. of Jeff. Happy time, people. Happy 23rd birthday on Sunday, Jaime Jaquez Jr. Miami Heat rookie small forward is going to be busy All-Star Weekend, competing in the dunk contest and the Rising Stars game. Jaquez was the 18th overall draft pick out of UCLA, where he was on a Final Four team and went to the Sweet 16 twice. Played four years at UCLA in his senior year, Jaquez averaged 18 points, eight rebounds, and he was Pac-12 Player of the Year when there still was a Pac-12. With the Heat, he's getting 30 minutes a game, averaging 13 points, four rebounds, and shooting 49% from the field. But in high school, C.J. Stroud got 28 points off Hawkes' team and beat them. So C.J. Stroud, incredible in every way, it turns out. Jaime Hawkes, way better than I thought. I've been hearing all these guys I work with now, Tony, in Miami, these sweaty Miami Heat propagandists. They've been telling me about him, didn't believe him. They were right. Happy anniversary, Larry Brown. On this day, 23 years ago, while coaching Allen Iverson in the 76ers, my old camp counselor won his 1,000th pro game, counting the NBA and the ABA. Brown's combined record is 1,327 and 1,011. That's the fourth most total wins of all time. He also has 262 college wins, and he's the only coach to win an NBA title, which he did in Detroit, and an NCAA title, which he did at Kansas. 
Just for grins, let's review all the teams Larry Brown has coached. Carolina Cougars, Denver Nuggets, New Jersey Nets, Spurs, Clippers, Pacers, 76ers, Pistons, Knicks, Charlotte Bobcats, UCLA, Kansas, and SMU. That's about 13 of Baker's dozen, plus whatever he did with you, Tony. How was, how was he as a coach to you at camp? Yeah, in softball, he put me in right field and said, don't bother him. He treated me exactly <laughs> the way I should have been treated. And I love yeah. him. Happy trails to sitting for Nolan Shawnawal. Last year, the Angels' first baseman made news by being promoted to the majors just one month after the Angels drafted him in the first round. Shawnawal then hit 275 in 29 games. This year, Shawnawal is making news by standing all day long. No driving, no sitting, no relaxing, standing, staying on his feet. Shawnawal thinks this will help strengthen his legs. The 22-year-old felt his legs tiring in late innings last year, so he started standing as a remedy. The Angels' strength and conditioning staff are cautiously encouraging Shawnawal, and they note he reported to camp in improved shape. Shawnawal says his legs are bigger and he feels stronger. So I converted to a standing desk during the pandemic. My calves are even larger. I can attest to that. But there have to be some things that Nolan does sitting, physiologically speaking, that he's not telling us about. Maybe just once a day, but he's doing it. Otherwise, it's getting even weirder than I thought. Nolan. Yeah, let's not go there. One omission. Tiger Woods withdrew from his own tournament today. The Genesis Invitational due to what is being reported as illness. If we could go to the big finish, because we've got to get in and out quick. The NFL will reportedly suspend Jimmy Garoppolo two games for violating the PED policy. Your thoughts? It voids this guarantee he had for $11.25 million, Tone, so that's a big, big deal. Anthony Edwards intentionally banked in a free throw last night. Are you impressed? If it goes in, yeah. If it goes out, no, not so much. The Athletic reports that the Athletes First Agency has told its NFL prospects not to participate in any pre-draft cognitive testing. Does that make sense? Not surprised at a podcast episode about the whole C.J. Stroud controversy with S2. Fairly Dickinson players got stuck in an elevator pregame at LIU last night. They still won in overtime. Your thoughts? When I think of elevators, I think of three days of the Condor. Last one, Sunday's NBA All-Star game, back to East versus West. You like that, Pablo? No, I wanted the draft. The draft was fun, but now it's gone. Out of time. Trying to do better the next time. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Pablo Torre. Thank you for watching. This is my podcast. This is